Hey, it's Chris Jarvis. And Kaylee Metcalf. And thank you for, for listening, listening to It's a Queer Thing. I did not know that I was going to have to get my uh, funkadelic duds on so early in the program. Hey, good song. Huh? Yeah, I love I like that it. song. We were dancing in here in the studio. I don't know. We if were. I hope nobody was videotaping or. Oh. Is that what you were doing with your phone? I'm not saying that. It's great. <laughs> so, thank you for coming back to KFCF 88.1. It's a queer thing on the third Friday of every month. My name is Chris Jarvis, and I'm one of your co-hosts. And I am Kaylee Metcalf. I am your other co-host. And just a reminder, this radio station and all of its programs are listener-supported. So, if you'd like to make a monthly pledge, you can do that at kfcf.org. Just click that big donate button at the top and in the booth today we have dennis hi dennis hey dennis hello radio <laughs> wellity 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 the midterms wasn't that a shot i'm telling you when we took the senate oh, um so happy james and i were watching live when it happened i couldn't believe it yeah I mean, normally we get slaughtered, the, the, uh, the party in power gets slaughtered during the midterms. Yes, so we kept waiting for that red wave, uh-huh. you know? Yeah. And I've heard it call everything from the red spot <laughs> yeah. to, like, the red trickle. <laughs> what did Stephen Colbert said? He said, it wasn't a red wave, it was kind of like a pink wave, like when you put your MAGA hat in with your KKK yeah, robe. Yeah, a red splash. <laughs> a red splash, yes. That's right. It was a little bit of a rainbow wave. It was. It yeah. was. And we're going to talk about that. Definitely. We're going to talk about those candidates. But um, so the Democrats have the House, or have the Senate, and yep. the Republicans will take the House. But Not barely. By a huge just majority. barely. Yeah. I mean, considering, and, and, and normally the thing that, that uh, determines what happens is the economy. And we all know the economy kind of sucks right now yeah um so i did not expect this at all i was really excited i didn't even watch the first couple of days because i'm like i can't take the stress of what's going to happen and then uh it it was pretty powerful to see what happened. yeah and all the governors too yeah yeah it's a lot of good stuff happening it was it was good and this is just a good reminder to not listen to polling because there was a lot of people saying oh why would i even vote it's gonna be a red wave blah 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 and i'm sorry (laughs) if you were watching nevada and arizona but like nevada i have friends in nevada and i'm so glad they got off their butts and voted because some of these races were so tight i mean still we're basically 50 50 across the country maybe the most evenly split i've ever seen yeah so that does not mean we're going to continue to be able to maintain that in the future. But, mm-hmm. um, you know, we, we, I'm going to say we won, even though we didn't completely win. And I'm going to say that progress is slow and steady, and it's fits and starts, and sometimes Absolutely. it's two steps forward and one step back, and sometimes yeah. you're just standing still is a win in and of itself. Yeah. So I'm counting this. I'm very thankful for this. This Absolutely. was a good, good week. So what we'd like to do now is bring in who has who is going to become a recurring guest. It's her second time on the show. Her name's Patricia Brown. She's a family law attorney. And Pat, do we have you there? Okay. All right. Well, we're getting Pat right now. Um, <laughs> Pat's going to talk to us today about the the rainbow wave that we were just talking about of all of the very cool numbers of LGBT representatives and some of the groundbreaking 
you know, ceiling breaking sort of momentum that happened, as well as uh, Pat's going to talk to us about some gerrymandering. And then later in the show, Pat's going to talk to us about family planning and LGBT family stuff. Yeah, so. and how you can protect your family just in case. We all see the Supreme Court rulings that have been happening, like with Roe v. Wade and other things. So even though we're feeling pretty good right now, um, you never know what can happen so we need yeah. to know how to protect ourselves did you see what herschel walker said um today or yesterday no. i mean everything he says is hilarious but right. he did this whole riff on how he had seen the movie fright night oh my gosh and so i don't want to i don't i don't want to be a werewolf and or a vampire anymore i want to be a werewolf now because werewolves kill vampires he went on for like 10 minutes on this oh my gosh and the guy's crazy hey pat are you there I am. Hi, Chris. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Thank you for coming back. And Kaylee is here, too. And we welcome you back to the show. You're now our first recurring guest, Pat. That's exciting. Oh, wow. A milestone. Thank you. <laughs> so what do you have to say about the... We want to talk about the winning LGBTQ candidates in this election. Oh, my gosh. It was so successful. Uh, so I have a litany. I have to tell you, there are all Democrats. Uh, so first we have uh, Becca Bolera. She's the first out gay person and first woman to represent Vermont in Congress. Wow. Then there's James Rosener. He's first out transgender man. <coughs> bisexual transgender man. Oh, Kaylee wants to point out a bisexual transgender man. That's she, very important. She hit oh, her bisexual bell there, yeah. Thank you for correcting me. <laughs> and uh, the U.S. will have a first out lesbian governor for the first time, actually two of them, mm -hmm. uh, Tina Kotek in Oregon and Mara Healy in Massachusetts. Both were elected to the office. So that's coast-to-coast coast lesbian action right there. That is right. You got it. And then in Connecticut, we have Eric Russell. He's the treasurer there, and he's the first-ever black out LGBTQ candidate elected to statewide office in the United States. Yeah, let's say and that again. The first-ever black out LGBTQ candidate elected to statewide office in U.S. history. Yeah. Very that impressive. is correct. Isn't that thrilling? That's amazing. And then we have uh, Eric Sorensen. He's the first out gay Congress member from Illinois. So we had, for the first time in history, LGBTQT candidates ran in all 50 states in the District of Columbia. They did. They ran Amazing. in all 50s. I, I didn't well, know that. And then, you know, this is fun, too. Alaska went from being a state that had never elected an out LGBTQ person to now having three. They they elected three representatives from the Rainbow Umbrella. And I've lived in Alaska. Let me tell you, that's something. <laughs> that, is, that is something. And, you know, why it matters is because their wins come amid an increase in anti l LGBTQT legislation, particularly targeting transgender rights right. and gender affirming health care. So mm -hmm. we've, it's amazing. So now we have two governors, two U.S. senators, nine members of Congress, 189 state legislators, and 56 mayors who are openly identified wow. as LGBTQ. 
That's stunning. That's yeah. stunning. I mean, and so, um, you know, we talk about LGBTQ people who are in power now. Um, the reason that's important is because, as we know, the the whole political system has been run pretty much by cis white men for a very long time. So we need voices in there so that people oh, understand. Yeah, <laughs> you hadn't noticed that? Yeah. <laughs> the same reason that, um, you know, men seem to decide abortion rights in this country. It's pretty crazy. It is. It is really, really crazy. But we still have always have more to go because, Mm -hmm. as I understand, this represents like 0.1 percent or something uh, out of the community. And I think nationally, there's more about 7 percent of people are in the LGBTQ uh, community. I may be wrong about that, but we still have farther to go. Long way to go. Yeah. And then the the goal is that we don't have to mention that we have LGBTQ uh, people elected in the future. It'll just be people elected because it'll be so commonplace. Let's hope we get to that stage, you know. Knock on wood, Chris. What do you you say, Pat? I I always, because when Barack Obama was elected president, you know, of course, monumental, historical, the first black uh, black American elected to the to presidency, do you, I, I hear this from people, and they ask me, "When do you think we will ever have number one, the first LGBTQ at least open candidate, maybe even elected, or the first atheist or woman?" Well, that, that's well, a we're close question, to a woman. I, uh, in the presidency, <laughs> I don't know about that. Well, we were close. Hillary well, was close. I have to say, I was lucky to meet Pete uh, Buttigieg when he came to Fresno and personally talked to him. And, you know, he has all the credentials on paper. He's amazing. But what I like about him is he rivals Ronald Reagan in being the great communicator. He can speak off the cuff about anything. And now that he's been in the cabinet, um, I think that's uh, really helped the cause. Yeah, absolutely. I think that people don't realize how long this stuff takes. Um, you know, we talk all the time in the LGBTQ rights movement about how how long before we get this right, how long before we get that right. And, you know, you know, gay people, it took 50 years from Stonewall to really come around. And, and even now in some states, they are not coming around. But in California, we're pretty lucky. So how long is it going to take for us to even consider you know, we're close to a woman. Pre- we have been close to a woman president. Um, we've had a woman vice president. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and what's interesting, too, is if you talk about that, you're, you're thinking about the long game, right? Right, right? And I think one thing that the Republican Party has shown that they are really able to do is play the long game in terms of getting people elected, in terms of gerrymandering, which brings us to gerrymandering. And I think, Pat, you were going to talk to us a little bit about that. I was, and, you know, gerrymandering is where districts, uh, congressional districts, are uh, changed every 10 years based upon uh, the census. So we had a census, and that's the shifting in in uh, population. Uh, You know, part of the problem is that um, we Democrats like to live in the big cities. Mm-hmm. Um, and right. in, yes. in uh, wonderful places like San Francisco, L.A., New York. And um, and so those are Democratic um, Party enclaves. Uh, but um, and those are where the highest votes are going to be. 
But generally, we've got these districts that are redrawn, and they um, are predominantly um, Republican, and the reason being is the Republicans um, across the United States actually control the local state legislators. Right. So they've um, withdrawn, uh, you know, these districts. The um, but there are some states um, that aren't and where the districts aren't uh, drawn by state legislators themselves. Some, like California, are done by commissions made up of volunteer citizens. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And this was the case in Fresno and the Central Valley. And those districts are made uh, make it more likely to be at least bipartisan, if not at least Democratic, reflecting our diversity in our communities. Um, they're sometimes on the maps of these new districts there they look convoluted and geographically absurd right but um basically um the good news is is so far in this election um we uh, the redistricting only leaves dems uh democrats down uh one seat from 42 to 41 in in the congress so I understand as of today, there's still more votes outstanding to be counted, maybe right. 1.3 million, I'm not sure, um, in California out of 40 million vote, uh, voters or potential voters. Uh, that's pretty amazing. So we're down to the wire. There's only really two uh, cases uh, of Congress in, in California, uh, two races, I should say, that are still outstanding. Um, one has to do with... You know, locally, we know in uh, Valadeo, right. uh, going up against the um, the Democrat Rudy Salas, and uh, so that apparently it looks like Salas is behind, but those uh, votes are still coming in, and then also we have in Modesto. Um, the Democratic Assemblyman um, Adam Gray is running against the Republican farmer John Duarte, and so that's uh, still too close to call. So we've got some things, but California is, has been uh, not as immune. If we look at these results, uh, or has been uh, immune uh, compared to other uh, Repo- Republican states so right. far. I mean, we could have done better. We could have taken the House. That would have been great and shut out uh, Kevin McCarthy. Yeah, somebody um, shut him up, please. Um, But, I mean, I don't know if you heard us earlier, Pat, but, I mean, this is, I I mean, every uh, uh, party in power is usually slaughtered in the midterms. And especially given what's been happening, we thought this was going to be, I thought thought it was going to be a red wave. And uh, certainly oh, yeah. was not even close to that. I like I told Kaylee, I consider this a win. Yep. Oh, it is absolutely because they, you know, the Republicans actually were touting it as a not a red wave, but just a red tsunami. Right. They yeah. Expected forty to fifty seats, and you know, <laughs> they got a couple of more. So. And I gotta um, say, I, I think have, Gen Z really came out. the The numbers of the Gen Z population. I would like to see those numbers because I keep hearing that, and uh, you know, traditionally youth does not come out to vote. Mm-hmm. They talk a lot about it, but they don't vote. So. 
I haven't seen the numbers from this one. I'd be curious I'm to see. I'm fascinated. I, I have seen the numbers. I can't quote them, but um, Kaylee's absolutely right. The okay. Gen Z did come out, and um, uh, same thing with uh, Black and Latina mm-hmm. uh, Latino voters and stuff. Good. They they really are the the heart of the party and the heart of uh, expressing themselves for diversity. Yeah, and so it's they, hard to get people out yeah, in the absolutely. midterm period as opposed to a general election. So. Yep. Can I say uh, one thing about yes. our um, our passing uh, Speaker of the House, the historic sure. Nancy Pelosi from San Francisco? You know, her a number one a bill when she um, went to Congress was really about um, AGB, uh, LGBTQT um, community from San Francisco, and um, that was she led with that even when it was completely unpopular. Right. And she has just been um, a, a master speaker of the House, not only historically um, back for a, a second time, but um, she's the best uh, vote counter um, ever been as speaker of the House. And, and so we owe so much to her. Yeah, and if you don't and know who Nancy Pelosi is, watch the video of what she was doing on January 6th behind the scenes. Her daughter was making a documentary, and that woman is a powerhouse and she was doing all the right things so i want to shift us a little bit now but we will be back with pat a little bit later in the show but today is well actually sunday is national tdor which is the transgender day of remembrance but here in fresno they're celebrating it today so chris you want to tell us a little bit about that yeah it's going to happen at the cross-cultural and gender center and the department of the women's gender and sexuality studies at fresno state they present the annual Transgender Day of Remembrance today from 5.30 to 8 at the Satellite Student Union. Registration is free. So the event will honor transgender individuals who've lost their lives due to violence and transphobia. It will also include speakers, performers, and a resource fair to provide awareness about transgender existence in the community and a safe place for transgender people, their families, and friends. And the Master of Ceremonies is going to be Zane Anthony, um, the Chair of Trans Emotion, which is a nonprofit community benefit organization uh, based on, focused on providing education and advocacy for the trans community and allies. Yes, and it's an it's an important day. It's an important remembrance that you know people still, even though we've had this rainbow wave, there are a lot of transgender people who are killed. Because of being transgender. Absolutely. And that is what Transgender Day... Uh, this day is to honor them. Is, so, is to honor yeah. them. So a sobering reminder about that. There are other ways to get involved if you've missed that. Um, we'll have some links in our show notes. Transmotion is a good resource. Also, uh, GLAAD has a whole list of, uh, of resources and ways. Remember to speak up and speak out and just be an ally to your yeah, trans... support your trans friends. Another um, way that you can support your community is through giving to local organizations who are dealing with hunger. I learned a lot by talking to Kim at the Central California Food Bank, and so we have a little pre-recorded interview that we're going to play for you now. Kim Doldine, and I am the co-CEO at Central California Food Bank. Kim, thank you so much for being here. Uh, Just tell me a little bit about the food bank. What kind of services do you guys provide? Central California Food Bank is the region's largest hunger relief 
organization providing emergency food relief to over 300,000 individuals every single month. And that includes over 100,000 kids. That's across Central California in Fresno, Madera, Kings, and Tulare counties out working with over 200 member partner agencies. So churches, schools, community centers who help provide food in our community to neighbors in need. Who uses the services? You said kids and... You know, hunger really is a hidden epidemic here in our community. One in four individuals in Central California and one in three kids struggle with hunger on a daily basis. And that means that they don't have reliable access to the nutrition that they need to thrive. And so there is a significant amount of need right here in our community. So we are providing food and food resources, both individually, we have over 100 direct distributions every single month. And we work with over 200 community partners to ensure that people have access in their neighborhood where they need it, where they can access it, where they can you know, walk or drive to in places that they're comfortable and they feel safe, where we can eliminate any type of barriers like stigma for needing assistance. So how can people support you guys? There are a variety of ways that people can jump in and support the fight against hunger. I know every nonprofit CEO probably says it, but first off is donations. Every dollar that we receive in donations, we can stretch to provide up to four meals. And so I would venture to guess that no donation can go further. Second is to volunteer. One of the ways that we're able to do what we do and transform a a dollar into four meals is because incredible volunteer network. This year we'll utilize just under 6,000 volunteers who package, sort, and distribute food. And they'll donate the equivalent time of up to 28 full-time employees. And then third is to learn about hunger and advocate. We all have a voice and we can advocate for our neighbors who feel marginalized and don't have access to the resources that they need to get that nutrition. All this information can be found online at ccfoodbank.org and people can get plugged in to donate, volunteer, or advocate. I have heard that this time of year, the beginning of the holiday season and coming up on Thanksgiving, people are very generous and they think about hunger and they think about food issues, but that that sort of wanes throughout other times of the year. Is that true? And if it is, is there anything that we can do to help combat that? That's true. It's true for us and it's true for most every nonprofit. We raise about 40% of our annual budget in the six weeks between Thanksgiving and Christmas. Wow. And then donations drop significantly. Because we know that, we, we budget and we plan for that throughout the year. But we are always looking for people to get involved. Hunger is an everyday disaster. It continues throughout the year. And so we really do need concerned citizens to be plugged in all the time, donating, volunteering, and again, advocating, especially during political cycles, election cycles. So we can really make a difference right here in our community. We would love to see your listeners out helping us pack and prepare food boxes come, you know, January, February. We'll have a ton of volunteers kind of here through the Christmas push, but we'd love to see people out in our warehouse wanting to make a difference in the spring. 
Are there any events or specific dates or drives that are coming up that you want to let our listeners know about? We have an incredible match offer on Giving Tuesday that one of our local donors will match up to $10,000 online at ccfoodbank.org. We also have an incredible event in April called Empty Bowls in Old Town Clovis at the Veterans Memorial Building. And every guest receives an empty bowl symbolizing that not all bowls in our community are filled with the food that they need. And it's an incredible fundraiser. We bring the community out, lots of live and silent auctions. It's a really compelling opportunity to hear directly from a neighbor who's been impacted by hunger and how you can help change that. Again, that information can be found online at ccfoodbank.org. Okay. Is there anything else that you want to promote about the organization or feel like we need to know? We would love to see people volunteer. Again, one of the ways that we're able to do what we do is through volunteerism. And so whether that is through your family, your professional group, any clubs that you belong to, volunteering is always fun with friends and with others. So go online, check out our page. We have awesome opportunities for both individuals and groups to come out and and make a difference together. Wonderful. And you've dropped the website a couple times, which is great. Is there any other good ways to get in touch with you guys? Are you on Facebook, Instagram, any of the social media platforms? We are really active on Facebook. You can find us at Central California Food Bank. And we're also really active on Instagram at SendCal Food Bank. Okay. We'd love to have you join us. Okay. Great interview. Um, Thank so you. we want to alert people that it's time to, you know, be charitable this year. So find your causes. And in that vein, we'd like to just throw out a little bit about what we're thankful for. Dennis, uh, Hey. What are you thankful for? Uh, well, right? the first thing I'm thankful for my my pride glasses, which everyone should be wearing if you're I listening to the show, unless they're the sunglasses like mine and you're driving, just hang oh, them yeah, up with, with the, with the fussy dark. dice. <laughs> I, I will say that I'm thankful to our great listeners who since 1975 have been keeping this station on the air, and so much thankful to Chris and Kalia who take more than the hour that you hear them here, and Aww. they are volunteers <laughs> to put this program together and to share it and to get. Uh, great interviews like Pat and to get the word out thank you, thank you, thank you I know it takes a lot of work and we appreciate it thank you, how about you Kalia? Well, uh, I'm thankful for Dennis. Now I have to say that, right? Yeah. <laughs> I would have said it anyways. I thank you for Dennis. And I'm very thankful for Chris. Thankful for this radio station and my friends and family and all that stuff. Um, real quick, I'm going to touch on, I had a hard time at the beginning of this year. I was uh, had some, some health issues and there were some physical health issues and some mental health issues. And I am really grateful that we have good insurance. And I am really grateful that I was able to get the help that I needed both for the physical ailments and also um, some some therapy. So, you know, like that's a thing. I do not take it for granted. And um, so thank you to my friends and family for being with me and getting me out of my funk. And thank All you right. for, yeah, thank, 
Thank you, doctors. Doctors right. are awesome. Absolutely. What about you, Chris? Uh, well, I'm super thankful for this show, and I'm thankful for the opportunity I have in the community and I have had for the last 20 years to, to give back. Just a reminder that this is It's a Queer Thing. It's the third Friday of the month. I'm Kalia. I am Chris. And we are here to talk to you about all sorts of stuff here at kfcf.org. And real fast, so we're going to be talking about family protections. Next week is Thanksgiving. Family stuff is a lot for a lot of people. Um, people yeah, will be yeah. traveling home. Are you going to be spending any time with family, Chris? Oh, hell no. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I am lucky. No, we were, we were going to go to L.A., but it, we didn't want to deal with the traffic and everything. I am really lucky that my family is supportive, so I actually do get to see my family next week, and I am looking forward to that. But not everybody has that option, and LGBT families have um, some uh, uphill battles in a right, lot of ways. Right. So, Pat, talk to us about the, some of the struggles of LGBT families and what they can do to protect themselves? Well, first of all, everybody, every family, uh, whatever they look like uh, or feel like, they need a will. So you can give your assets to a spouse, a domestic partner, your children, a child, relatives, friends, and charitable organizations. So if you die without a will, the state will determine who your property goes to according to law based upon their relationship to to you. So if you're not married, um, there are several advantages of a will. First of all, and most important, your ability to appoint guardians for any minor children. So uh, some people have relatives that... um, like their uh, children and are close to them, and uh, some may not, and and kind of estranged to them. So um, you also, if you have a will, you can. It's keeping a helpful record of assets that surviving relatives might not be aware of, or it can even limit taxes on your deceased, um, deceased estate. So, uh, or make important decisions about Medicare. Um, so it's important to always ask a friend or a relative before you draft your will if they are willing and able physically, time-wise, or financially, um, or even morally in some cases to take care of your child and to keep them together if there's more than one child and uh, preferably like i said before uh, it's somebody in your family or friends that are close to the children already but do ask to see whether or not they're equipped and they can be supportive of your child um there are two other quick uh, tips one is there are disadvantages of a will um they won't affect a jointly owned property like with a spouse uh, if you have a spouse and you own a house or um, uh, like another uh, joint owner, um, for instance, if you only um, have a domestic partnership and you own a house or something together or a business, um, you know, uh, that a will won't cover that. Or if you have any beneficiaries that are always already stated out in an IRA or a life insurance policy, but it's um, really important that if you do draft your will online yourself, um, that you have a local real-life attorney in your community review it before you sign it. Because 
uh, we'll usually do it for a nominal fee, and we'll be looking for issues like uh, any assets that are emitted or whether or not someone is named for the estate um, if they need a bond. But it's really important um, if your uh, child is um, gender fluid that you have somebody that is really going to support them in, in their journey. And, um, uh, you know, just as a final holiday message for uh, LBGQT families, um, you know, each family story is unique. We each have um, our own unique uh, stories, but we have to remember that they are only just stories. Your family may agree on some holiday traditions, memories or pictures of your families, but let's make sure that we extend our kindness our empathy, our feelings of joy, not just to our individual selves, but to all other families, even if they're not like ours. Okay, Pat, I have so, a couple of, couple of questions for you. So yeah. I'm, I'm married to my husband. We're legally married. Um, yeah. We've been together for 26 years, but legally married for, what is it, uh, two, since 2015? So we're... Is Seven, it, eight. Yeah, it, it, something like that. I'm trying to do math here. Um, I was told recently by somebody because the house that we live in together and own together is in my name. We never put his name on it. I was told that even though we're legally married, if I die without a will, the house, he has to try and get the house. Is that right in California? Well, okay. I, I do have a ca- caveat that I'm not supposed to be giving legal (laughs) information. Well, here I am asking for it. But I will answer that. Okay, so, you know, it's very easy to change a deed like that and put both of your names on it unless you have other reasons why you don't want to do that. Right. Um, And, um, you know, I haven't looked at the uh, divorce statistics lately, so I don't really know um, in the community how uh, many people end up um, like a straight couples divorcing, uh, although I have had a couple of um, cases um, that where um, I had one case, you know, where uh, a, a lesbian and a gay guy in the tower uh, married each other so they could have a child. But I think that you, um, wow. it is really uh, true that there uh, might be a, a, a fight there, and there are uh, ways to protect it. One is to specifically do a will, uh, you know, or you could actually put the house in a trust in both of your names, right. and you should, and things like that. Okay. And you know, um, even uh, you can always do what's called a postmarital agreement. It's kind of like a prenuptial. But only you're already married. So right. you and, and your spouse can actually make uh, an agreement about those properties. And especially if there's some things of sentimental value that you want to give to someone else, a friend, or, you know, like if you have a piano that you want it to go to a certain I would love a piano. You- Somebody give me a piano. <laughs> <laughs> well, and one more quick question. So people yeah. are always wondering how 
how they get a will. I, I happen to have a, a program through my company that provides free assistance to do it. So if you work for a, a big company, check out if they have some free assistance. Um, but basic, people basically, can they just write one up and get a notary to sign it? Well, don't just write one up. There are so many apps online. You've okay. heard of LegalZoom and um, Fair Law and things like that. I found them um, to be actually pretty good. But before you go and rush to a notary after you've done it, I, like I said, would have it uh, a real-life uh, attorney just review it. Sometimes they'll only charge you, I don't know, 75 to to $100 just to review it. And it's really important to do that, okay, before you sign or, or notarize anything. Okay. Um, but I have to say, no. I, I'm not um, trolling for business because this okay. is a public <laughs> announcement. Yeah. I am retiring after 30 years of uh, practicing family law. Oh, congratulations. Friday, um, December 31st. Oh, oh, congratulations. What a nice way to end the year. So thank you so much, Pat, for being on the show today. And um, like you said, there's all kinds of apps and other places for people to get those wills set up. And I'm also not giving out legal advice here, but I will say cough, cough, add names to deeds and cough, cough, houses and trust is a is a good call. Oh, Just a good call. Good, Kalia. Yep. Uh, thank you so much both for having me. I okay. so appreciate thank it. You, happy holidays. Happy holidays to you. We'll have you again. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Okay. It is now time for our good news and our bad news. Okay. And I know we have some doozies. So, so we have the He good made me move the bells closer, well, you guys. I have to have access. So good news is... Bad news is... Okay. <laughs> okay. Go ahead, Chris. Well, my good news is the Respect for Marriage Act, which went through the Senate uh, uh, this week. It was yep. preliminary, um, yep. but it looks really good. Some Republicans have signed on. And I didn't yep. know this, but just so you know, the Respect for Marriage Act does not legalize same-sex marriage across the country. What it does is it protects people who may be married in California so when they go to Texas, if Texas doesn't recognize same-sex marriages, it forces Texas to recognize it. So if you move across state lines to a state that right. doesn't recognize it, you still have a marriage. And it does that for um, gay marriage, and it does that for interracial marriage. It does not have the protections for disability marriages. There's still a lot of disabled people who are not allowed to get married. So that is a... That is, is a, that true? Yeah. Yeah, you can lose your disability benefits if you get married. Oh, in a I, lot of places. I, I misunderstood what you said there. Oh, okay. <laughs> um, so yeah, there, there's, there's certainly interracial couples are protected right now, aren't they? Yes, but remember that Clarence Thomas wrote that thing, oh, that's and true, and yeah. that that's what like. Well, the he's not going to do that because he's in an interracial marriage. So <laughs> well, you know. I'd make a comment, but I'm I'm too much of a lady. But that yeah. is good news. That's yes. good news because, uh, like I said, people cross party lines to pass this, and and yeah. they, it's like seventy five percent of Americans are in favor. So we've yeah. come a long way as far as that goes. Definitely, definitely. I have. So that was. Good that news. was definitely some good news. Um, I can reach the bell. You can. <laughs> I as as I was in my mad dash of getting dressed and throwing on you know 
clothes to go outside in to come sit in this radio show. Nobody can see me, but whatever. I'm wearing I actual can see a, you, a nice outfit. Whatever. I saw a headline and it said, a, um, "Let's see." The headline says, "Georgia court overturns state abortion law." And so I did very little research, obviously, because I was on my way here. But the Georgia Superior Court judge has overturned the state's law banning abortions as early as six weeks of pregnancy, ruling it unconstitutional and saying it cannot be enforced. That's good news. And I think that's like one of you think you said, like, what, the fourth state that's doing something along those lines? I think there were three states that had it on the ballot, maybe more. Um, But what's really encouraging is that a lot of voters said when they uh, took the exit polls, they came yeah. out because of the Roe v. Wade ver- mm-hmm. ruling. So, Even places like Kentucky. Yeah. Yeah. So what Republicans thought was going to bring people to them after this decision has actually turned people away from them yep. and said, we don't want to lose our rights. And we all absolutely agree that women should have the right to choose. Indeed, indeed, indeed. Um, so another of my good ones... Carrie, um, I scratched my butt with my AR-15 Lake, uh, lost in Arizona. Um, I hear that she might be uh, contesting it, which, of course, we kind of figured. But this woman, you know, I know that people are just opportunists in politics. I know they're just doing it to keep a career, and she was just trying to rally up people. But this woman's truly evil. Mm -hmm. She was so on the opposite side of everything she believes now before she decided... I heard that it happened when she went to see Trump in the White House, and after that, she completely turned around because she saw the opportunity that's presented by pandering to a certain portion of the public, which, you know, has worked for a lot of Republicans. So the fact that this woman is uh, losing, and I never have to see Carrie, well, I'm not going to say I never have to see her, but I, that Carrie, you know, wipe my face in Vaseline Lake will not be uh, uh, a governor of, of uh, Arizona. That is good news. Yeah, I can't stand her. Yes. <laughs> All right, you're next. Um, I could say a lot of other things, but it wouldn't be appropriate. Okay. <laughs> um, oh, let me just say this oh, yeah. before go you ahead. go. Uh-huh. Uh, I was handed a note because we were talking earlier about how many um, young people vote. Um, it's estimated that 27% of U.S. youth aged 18 and 29 cast their ballot in this year's midterm election. That makes it the second highest youth turnout in any midterm vote, which generally would have lower turnouts than presidential election cycles. There were nearly 52 million eligible voters in the age group in the U.S. in 2022. So that's great news. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, um, because of that, I've heard there's rumblings on the other side that said, well, maybe we should repeal the 26th Amendment. Now, you remember the 26th Amendment is what moved the voting age from 21 to 18, because in Vietnam, they were like, yo, we're old enough to die. We should be able to vote. Um, And now (laughs) they're like the same the same generation that got that is now going, oh, wait a minute. Maybe we don't want those youths to vote. Isn't that (laughs) crazy? Yes. Um, I have a good news that is completely personal, but 90% of my holiday shopping is done. Oh, my God. Okay, I have some good news. <laughs> I have a brand new kitchen, thanks to my wonderful husband, James. That, there you that go. It's taken six months <laughs> to do, but I have it now, so. Awesome, perfect. All right. Do you have some bad news? Oh, or I more? have some bad You yeah. know I have. All right. Oh, my gosh. Um, so the bad news is that Adam Frisch conceded to Lauren Boebert in Colorado. This is another woman that needs to be blocked in a box somewhere. Um, Careful. Well, you know, not because she's a woman, obviously, but because she's evil. Um, 
it's very, it was very, very close, and I heard today earlier it was going to go to a, a, a recount, and then a couple hours later the Democratic candidate conceded, and now Boebert is back in office. So that's awful news. Uh, my bad is that the Biden administration has had to ask the Supreme Court to reinstate the student loan debt forgiveness oh, issue yeah, because yeah. there was a there's a court case. It's in Texas, and um, basically the deferral, the moratorium on paying it ends next month, and so there's just a lot of people in limbo, and a lot of people who are going to be defaulting, and it's just it's just a mess. And, and there's this whole mindset out there that he that Biden did this to get young people to vote for him, even though he knew that it wasn't going to get through the courts. Well, and can we also just be real clear here that 18 to 22-year-olds are not the people who, like, wow. this This is for those people who are in their late 30s or their 40s or right. their late 40s who are still paying off student loans. Um, yeah, if you do the yeah. research on student loans, it's incredible how the, co- the loan companies have ripped people off, and they're paying this for the rest of their lives. I think even Barack and Michelle were paying their loans um, until just very recently, even through being a president. So, yeah, it's yeah, nuts. It's nuts. Oh, and the worst, the worst, the worst, the worst, um, Orange Head is back. Somebody I saw online called him Danger Yam. Danger I, Yam. Oh, I like that. I liked that, too. I will say, yes, he is back, uh, Boo. However, it seems like it's causing some mm, unfortunate fissures in the foundation of the Republican Party. And, oh, dear me, I'm so sad about that. So, so, (laughs) so very sad. But it definitely looks like there might be a split happening because it looks like GOP leadership is not on board with this. They're not thrilled. Yeah, it looks that way right now. So, I mean, But we've been down this road before. Yeah, we have. We have. We have. Um, A lot of people today at work and other people I've talked to is like, oh, there's no way. There's no way. I'm like, we said that before. Uh, Boy, did we say. And he defeated Hillary Clinton. I mean, that was a I mean, biggie. Not really. Uh, well, yeah, not really. Not popular vote, but um, <clears throat> and they're talking about doing an electoral. What's the electoral thing they're trying to do in Congress, where they're revising the electoral college so that uh, once a vote is in, these uh, state legislatures and other po- politicians that Trump has helped put in power mm-hmm. uh, will not be able to overrule a popular vote. Although, just a quick caveat: remember too that. Almost everybody that he endorsed didn't win this last time. Yeah, so you'd so, think, I mean, a lot of people are running from him, but you'd think the whole party would say I mean, that's J.D. It. Vance did win, and oh, that is yeah. gross. That's um, really gross. That's awful. But Dr. Oz lost, so yay, yay, yay for that. Um, Dr. Mem. Okay, so I've got, a, I've got a, a mix of good and bad, okay? okay? All right. And that is Twitter. <laughs> oh, what a mess that is! It is such a mess. And you, okay, the the um, the dia- uh, Oh gosh, I'm going to say diabetic medicine because my brain just just blanked on me. Insulin. Thank you. Uh-huh. Thank you. You were not helpful, but I came with up uh, with it on I my had own. No idea where you were going with that. <laughs> the the um, Evangeline Lilly company. Um, there was people who bought the little checkmark thing and then said, "Okay, insulin's going to be free," and then the stock completely tanked. So tell me what that checkmark is because I'm not a Twitter person. Okay, so it's not a thing anymore. But for a little while, like if you were a, a legit person, let's say your actor, John. 
Joshua Molina, who's been on the West Wing. Like, and you're legitimately like a famous person. You can get this little blue check. How do you mark. prove you're the legitimate? Okay, person? I have no idea because I am not legitimate enough on Twitter to oh, be okay. a checkmark person. But then they were like, so like Coke, you know, like the official account of Coke or the right. official account because of people hack and, and create fake right, accounts all exactly. the time. Exactly. Yeah. So the little checkmark, this is their official one. Then they were like, oh, you know what we're gonna do? We're gonna sell that. You have to pay you eight dollars, and then you get the little blue before checkmark. Before it was free. I, I don't know. I okay. think so, yes. So, like, Chiquita. Somebody spent $8 and then made an account that was named Chiquita and was like, oh, look, we just overthrew Brazil. <laughs> and it just spiraled. Oh, and, like, that. that was this whole thing. And so, like, now they're not doing it anymore. Now there's, like, a different verification process. Well, but first the whole it was going to be $12, just, then he lowered it to $8 yeah, or something. It's, and, it's just been a, it's just a mess. major walkouts at, Twi- oh, at yeah, Twitter a bunch today. Of people got and he, fired. he locked the offices and said nobody yeah. He's allowed in until Monday. Yep, yep. And I guess the there's a ticker on the outside of the Twitter building. It's like mm-hmm. a crawler, like you see on the news channels. And this one, somebody had hacked in, and it, there's like it's on TikTok. Its feed is saying stuff like, "Elon Musk is a piss baby." <laughs> like all of these on the outside things. of the Twitter building. Yes. Oh, that's fabulous. So good news, bad news. It looks like Twitter might be dead. I don't know if that's a net good or a net bad for the world at large, but well, it is interesting. I mean, if you're old enough to remember when Twitter started, it was massively important when it started because it helped people in third world countries get the word out about, uh, you know, totalitarian regimes. Yeah. And, and Well, and like a lot of us are watching the, um, the revolution in Iran right now through TikTok. Right, so I right. think that Twitter has had its moment, but now a lot of people are doing stuff on TikTok. But TikTok's a very different beast than Twitter It is. T- Twitter and I'm, ever I'm, I'm frankly amazed that these social media platforms like Facebook are still, you know, so powerful because it used to be they would cycle on and off. You know, mm-hmm. it was this and today and this tomorrow. And But Twitter and Facebook and how long has um, well, TikTok, TikTok's been around? New-ish c- compared to those. Is WhatsApp but- still around? WhatsApp is a phone thing, but yes, yeah, that's a little round. It's okay, connected, though. She just though. took me down with that. It's a phone thing. You should have seen the look on her face when she did that. <laughs> I just say it's not. So whatever. Anyways. <laughs> yeah. Okay, Chris. All right. Um, we we gotta go. This is okay. this is the end of this. Well, we would like to remind people to donate <laughs> to the station. You can just go to kfcf.org and. Click that donate button. I am a monthly donor. You can do it, too. Whatever you want to donate is helpful to the station. And uh, we want to keep the queer voices out there. So along with all the other great shows that are on this station. And remember that you can stream it live, as you know, at kfcf.org. And you can listen to this show um, later on. We'll release it as a podcast episode in all the podcasty places. And you can find us on Facebook. (laughs) And you can find us on Instagram. Those are our places. You can Kaylee really likes Instagram. You can email us. I'm the old guy who still says Facebook. <laughs> you can she e- had to drag me kicking and <laughs> screaming to Instagram. It's It's been fun, y'all. Um, I've posted three things. Yes, he has. And he can get it to cross-post, cross-post to Facebook. It's amazing, yeah, isn't it? it? Is. Yeah, Technology okay. is wonderful. Um, um, you can email us at itsaqueerthang, T-H-A-N-G, at gmail.com. And we want to hear from you. Specifically, we want to hear what good thing happened to you in the year 2022. Yeah, because on the next show in December, we're going to be kind of doing a year 
year-end recap. So we want to hear from you what great things happened to you. You can email us. You can voice message us. You can um, send it to us on, on Facebook. Facebook or Instagram. <laughs> or Instagram. <laughs> I don't know. Can you do that on Instagram? Yes. I don't even know. What are they, can they do something on this TikTok-y thing you're talking yeah, about? Yeah, well, we okay. the show does not have a TikTok. I have a TikTok, I'm sure I we suppose. will by next week now that uh, we've no, mentioned no, no. it. No, no, no. Um, <laughs> but anyways. But I would like to say, and I, you yeah. know, we are on all the major podcast carriers. So wherever you get your podcast, mm-hmm. just search Queer Thang, T-H-A-N-G, and you can find us. So the, what we're doing now is live, but we are posting the show to our Facebook page a week later, but it also cross-posts to all the podcasts. So a week from uh, today... Yep. You'll be able to get the show on the podcast. And those podcasts uh, do not have the music because we don't have the licensing for that. So the music that you hear on the show, you can really only hear live or you can check out, coming soon, a Spotify playlist that will have music right. that Chris and I have used on the show that we like to listen to while we're putting the show together and just stuff that we like. Yeah. So we're going to have so that And so right before we go, just remember, donate to your favorite charity. Uh, um, uh, um, what was that? Do you have a quote? Oh, my quote is, uh, where's my quote? I do have a quote. It's, don't get mad, get elected. And that's from the Victory Fund. Okay, and mine is from Irma Bombeck. Oh, I love her. And it says, I come from a family where gravy is considered a beverage. All right, and she'd be on Facebook if she was still with us, I guarantee you. Yes, she would. All right, everybody, thank you for listening. We'll see you next time. Happy Thanksgiving.